1: Lightfoot and the city council and Governor um, Pritzker has is that people are leaving our city. We're losing population. We have to turn that around. We cannot afford to be a city that continues to decline in population.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman, and with me is the municipal finance expert for the city of Chicago, otherwise known as Civic Federation President Lawrence Massal. Thanks for
1: joining us. Thank you.
0: So, Mayor Lightfoot came up empty in Springfield. Surprised?
1: Yeah, I, uh, yes. I think the, 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 the need is great for the state of Illinois to recognize the precarious financial position of the city of Chicago. I think the request that she's making for help on getting the casino um, legislation and the tax structure right, I think the state has already admitted that they had a bad structure for Chicago. It was the consultants of the gaming board that came forward and said the structure is not really attractive for investors. That was supposed to be one of the gifts that the legislature provided to Chicago. I think we're dealing with the fallout of the mayor taking office just about a week before the General Assembly was going to adjourn in May, and they did adjourn in May. They did a lot of things in gambling expansion, in marijuana licensing, in video um, gambling expansion, which Chicago doesn't participate in. And But so the Chicago casino was not what Mayor... Um, Lightfoot had requested. It wasn't what Mayor Emanuel had previously requested. It certainly wasn't what Mayor Daley had requested. And so what they got was something that apparently doesn't fit financially. It was completely
0: flawed. I mean, what's the use of having a casino if the structure is so bad that nobody wants to finance it and it's not attractive to anybody?
1: Right. It is an inherently unreliable way to fund your government to rely on gambling. Chicago has not really lost much by not being part of the great gambling expansion in Illinois, but this casino deal that was done, in order to fund the city, the state's infrastructure needs and along with many other casino expansions and other cities raises real question as to whether there was adequate stress testing analysis in the lack of transparency. We're seeing that continue in Springfield that the General Assembly tends to not share the their homework if they did their homework financially on what changes they're making. So, I think it's um, disappointing for Chicago for people who are looking to see how the state's going to help Chicago stabilize its finances. That you that. Mayor Lightfoot was not able to get the basic casino language changed regarding the tax structure, something everybody's known for more than three months. I mean, this report came out over three months ago. Another disappointment in Springfield was the lack of action on her proposed graduated real estate transfer tax. It doesn't seem like it really reached a debate as to what the impact of the tax would be, whether it was a good source, but it was just that the General Assembly was distracted with other activities they're
0: distracted by a lot of things they're distracted by the corruption scandal that's like a boulder rolling downhill and getting bigger by the minute
1: yeah, it is really um, a situation where going into the veto session, you heard um, some of the uh, elected officials and others worried about what the concentration level would be. It does seem like that there is a, um, a, uh, a pall that is um, over the General Assembly, not knowing who's wearing a wire or who's going to be next to call for it. So a lot of people are looking over to the federal U.S. Attorney's Office to see where does this go? What does it mean for Illinois?
0: And with Cullerton now resigning, John Cullerton, the Senate president, does that make it more difficult for her to get what she needs? He at least was a savvy Chicagoan and had been there so
1: long. Clearly, President Cullerton had served a long time in the legislature, first in the House, then in the Senate, and then approximately the last 10 years as Senate president, truly a Chicagoan. If the Senate president ends up not being a Chicagoan or not basically be, you know, representing a part of the city of Chicago, that's going, that might be a challenge. But I have to say that, you know, really, the, the, the city's interests have not been getting as much attention in Springfield, certainly as Mayor Lightfoot would like. So, A new president is going to have their hands full, whether um, they're from Chicago or somewhere else, trying to lead that caucus. The Senate president actually represents the entire um, Illinois Senate. It's not just a vote of the Democratic caucus. So there is a potential um, for someone to emerge who both unites the Republicans and the Democrats members of the Illinois Senate. It's a it's a very, very big change in Springfield um, that it's not known. There is no clear front runner at this point as to who will succeed John Cullerton.
0: So Plan B, which was unveiled to the alderman this week, the mayor knew that she needed a Plan B, maybe C and D and E, too. But plan B, she says she can get along without the $50 million from the real estate transfer tax. She was conservative in her estimates. She only counted on it passing by a simple majority, taking effect July 1st. And only $50 million for next year. She says she's going to find the money by slowing down hiring, by counting on more savings up front from the borrowing, etc. Do you think this is a responsible plan or doesn't it really do more one-time things that are pretty risky?
1: Well, the one-time, the the risk in the one-time things is not so much whether they're going to occur or not. It's that they don't actually bring down the structural deficit for next year. So you're left next year trying to plug that hole without that one-time revenue. In terms of trying to get something out of Springfield to avoid um, going to an excessive property tax or sales tax increase you have to um, do a balancing act between trying to get the attention of the members of the General Assembly, not just from Chicago, but from a majority from the state to approve the things that you want. I think there is still time in January and in the spring session that they, they could be approved what she wants in terms of the real estate transfer tax. Whether they will or not is unclear.
0: Well, I have the feeling that perhaps she is not going to get this real estate transfer tax until Governor Pritzker gets his referendum on the graduated income tax, because you're hitting really the same people, the high-end people, the high-end real estate sales, and he's going to hit those same people with his graduated income tax. So he has one priority, his. What do you think?
1: Well, I think certainly the governor's top priority is to um, get to November and have a vote on his proposed graduated income tax. I think the concern that you raise about what the impact is on high wealth individuals is a real one. What's the biggest threat to the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago right now is the uncertainty. People don't have confidence that either the graduated income tax or what's next coming out of Chicago or Springfield is going to fix and stabilize the state's finances. I think this next session is bigger than any session the state has seen in a long time because in order to tee up the graduated income tax vote, you're going to have to be able to answer the questions. What are you doing to help the locals, especially um, the local governments that are struggling under their own pension crisis? It's not just Chicago that is facing a pension crisis. Um, Rockford is in in bad shape financially. Um, Springfield, Illinois, the state capital is having a very difficult time um, keeping up with their pension contributions. The Illinois Municipal League, the statewide association of um, Local government managers and local government officials has been urging the state to consolidate pensions and um, address the local. He component. got that. He got, they got the investment fire. side of the police and yes. fire. And, but there's a lesson to be learned there too. They had to give. It wasn't just what um, Governor um, Pritzker's commission, led by Bill Brodsky, uh, had proposed that we were just going to f- focus on the investment returns. In fact, they had to give increased benefits. They made some decisions related to. To, um, the Tier 2 um, benefits for police and fire that are going to end up costing more in an attempt to address a problem that hasn't really been vetted, which is the threat of safe harbor, that these Tier 2 benefits that have been taken effect since 2011 might run into a risk that the Social Security Administration might not find them to be sufficient to be exempt from these employees and this fund being not covered by Social Security.
0: So do you think that the mayor will get her graduate? Graduated income tax next year, or will she have to wait until after November?
1: I think that she has a good chance to get her graduated real estate transfer tax. Um, whether the governor um, is able to tie it or others are tying it to the graduated income tax that's on the vote in November, it's really hard to, to know. I think the bigger challenge is for anyone who's pushing the public to have confidence that the government is doing well, that the government has a plan to go forward, Looking at the property tax issue, with the property taxes already at a level that most Chicagoans are not comfortable with, especially when you, in Cook County, and especially outside the um, commercial district where we're not seeing great growth in residential property values, but we're seeing an in steady increase in the taxes. I think there needs to be an answer for, that the, that the graduated income tax also is going to help address property taxes. Over 100 members of the Illinois General Assembly voluntarily signed up to be on a, co- on a commission that focused on property tax relief. Central to any discussion of property tax relief has to be municipal pensions and how the unfunded liability is going to be managed.
0: So let's talk about the budget that is going to be passed here in a couple of weeks. Um, you have some reservations. What are they?
1: The main reservations are that the, the, there are several major components that the way this historic deficit was closed, right? Over $830 million in um, a budget deficit announced by the mayor when they um, released their budget. Largest in the city's history. A lot of the unknowns res- relate to other governments. The federal government, for example, has not signed off on the significant increase in reimbursements from the Medicaid program for um, ambulance services in Chicago. The state of Illinois has somewhat of an agreement with the feds on a waiver. It has a strong agreement with the city of Chicago that it wants to help provide that reimbursement, but it's in the magnitude of $200 million that the federal Medicaid administrators have to approve city says that they sh- they will receive that approval within the next month, which would be in advance of the budget being approved. But so far, we don't know if it's going to be
0: approved. Yeah. And President Trump is in Washington, who has been trashed by the leaders of the city of Chicago. Does he have any uh, incentive to help Chicago?
1: Um, it's a good question. I think the uh, whether or not the president's attention turns to the um, I know that's a little Medicaid, low right, for but, him
0: to get involved, but you know but what? If you're upset. Possible.
1: the Civic Federation points that out that yeah. we have some concerns. Are you
0: worried? What, are you worried that Trump might get even with Chicago and say the heck with him? We
1: don't, we, you know, as a nonpartisan organization, don't weigh in on what. The um the President may or may not choose to do. We're getting to Chicago. I think the city has a reasonable plan. The State has gotten tentative approval for the waiver, the expectations it will go forward. It's but there are is concern that it has not been done. Another significant, as you we've been talking about, is a graduated real estate transfer tax. It did not get enough support in the Illinois General Assembly um, to get done during the veto session. We've heard from Mayor Lightfoot and her team that they thought they were very close to getting it done. New changes in the Senate leadership may or may not be um, able to help them advance that. The basic problem is that it is a tax increase. The General Assembly has not been willing in the past to do much except let Chicago raise its property taxes to help fund its schools Teachers' pensions and its police and fire pensions,
0: and then there's the borrowing, taking all, redoing the borrowing a million, a billion three, and taking the entire savings, not two hundred million now two hundred and fifteen that they upped it to, up front. Right, is that a fiscally prudent practice?
1: It's not the best practice that you would um say. It wouldn't be what. Uh, the Government Finance Officers Association would recommend, but I think you look at it in the context of what are the choices the city of Chicago has. Certainly, this is a no other city has this creative tool, which we call sort of the lockbox. Um, process by which instead of the city receiving its revenues directly from the state of Illinois, they now go into a receiver or a trusteeship. And so that they're not reachable if the city should file for bankruptcy. The creditors wouldn't yeah, be able to Yeah, you're talking get
0: it. about the sales tax securitization. Yeah, sales tax
1: securitization, right? And basically that means that that money is not available for other city operations. It's held in that lockbox. But the benefit is that the city and first Mayor Emanuel and now Mayor Lightfoot believe and and they have been able to get a much better credit rating because of the use of that securitization instrument. So but what is, we're
0: talking about here is, is how, how grabbing much, all the money up front.
1: Exactly. That means that that money, again, that's a one time revenue. That's right. It's not closed the budget deficit um, that will exist in a like form next year.
0: Do you are you worried that she won't get that much in savings and that she's taking it all up front?
1: I don't. Th- I think it looks likely that they will get that amount of savings if the market stays where it is. If they get to market under Quickly. these conditions, right? We don't want to urge them to go. Um, recklessly we don't want to rush them into doing it they need to do their homework and make sure but the market looks favorably on it there's not a doubt that there will be significant savings it's the taking of all of the savings in the first year that is not best practice it does mean it's a one-time revenue source it does push the deficit into the next year
0: and then there's other things, like she's promising that she's going to get $150 million from zero-based budgeting. They have not been able to tell us what programs are going to be cut. Where is that money coming from? What programs are we not going to have?
1: Right. We've pressed um, the city finance officials to really show us the detail. They've provided some of that detail. What do you see? I mean, what be,
0: services? What?
1: It tends to be more in the staffing areas and in the equipment areas that they're basically reducing spending across the board. It isn't been identified at wholesale elimination of any programs. It's more across various departments that they have been able to eliminate vacancies, eliminate um, unnecessary expenditures. It they the it, it is a good way to basically build your budget. What's, sure, but you want to be able to tell people. is to definitely what, needed in yeah. terms of being able to, to show so that we, they can be held accountable, that those savings are actually g- going to occur and that they'll be able to be measured as we go forward.
0: Do you doubt that they will produce $150 million?
1: No, I think that basically from the process that they have shared with us, from our meetings with the finance officials and from the detail that they've provided, they will be able to reach that. If they don't reach that, then they won't have to rely on the zero-based budgeting. They will have to cut the budget.
0: Then also they are grabbing money from the CPS. They are grabbing almost 90-some-odd million dollars. They're t- taking a pension reimbursement, and they're also asking for security money back.
1: Yeah, this is sort of the uniqueness of Chicago, which you have a separate government in the Chicago Public Schools with a separate board and in its own taxing levy, but it's under the control primarily of the mayor. If you compare that to New York, where their, their education, their school district is basically a department of the New York City government. In this case, what's not known to many people, is that most of the administrators in the Chicago Public School aren't in the Chicago um, Public School Teachers Pension Fund. They're in the Illinois Municipal Pension Fund. And so the city picks up the cost of those Chicago Public School officials' pension costs. The mayor is proposing, and different mayors have looked at this, that the Chicago Public Schools be responsible for that. They also. um, They've always
0: the city has always covered that right through history.
1: Well, I think through most of it, right. I mean, there's this going back and forth. You know, for instance, now we're going to also look at the security costs and the police costs. Um, Previous mayors have pushed back and forth the garbage collection um, for the schools and other things. It's a way of that basically the city can look at a government, and in the case of the Chicago public schools, surprisingly. It's in a little better financial shape than it was the last couple of years because of increased property taxes authorized not by the city council, but by the Illinois General Assembly to prop up their pension funds, allow for an increased levy for capital. So they're far from out of the woods. So the city is basically saying you Chicago public schools have to um, contribute for your employees. Those are clearly um, not um, employees that are doing work for the general city government, they're doing it for the Chicago public school.
0: And Schools. that's okay with you?
1: Well, I think it, sh- it should be paid. Uh, every government should be responsible p- for paying for not just its employees' salaries, but their- all of their related benefits. And when we make a decision, as often is the case, about give granting salary increases, it should recognize the full cost of that. The city could do better in terms of showing not just for the Chicago Public School employees, but the full cost of their own employees in terms of it's not just the salary that you pay, it are, it is the cost of the Human Resource Department, the cost of the health insurance, the cost of the benefits. All of that needs to be accounted for and is best when it is compiled in a transparent way.
0: And then the TIF surplus also is a huge number. Largest
1: TIF surplus declared 300 in, the million. City, in the city's history. It's going to um, provide significant relief both to the Chicago public schools and to the city. It raises the question, though, if we can continually have so many surpluses in the TIF program, is the TIF program and are the TIF districts drawn in a way that we're taking too much out of the general operating base? Could we carve out, as they do in other communities, properties that are not needed to be included in the TIF Are we clear on what the mission of that TIF is, what the priorities are, and what the projects are? Can we reduce the size of the TIFs so that the money would be available for general tax base?
0: And again, a one-time revenue Very much
1: a one-time revenue, although I think, you know, the experience has been first Mayor Emanuel declared that he would annualize the TIF surplus announcement, which apparently was aimed at giving the other local governments confidence that surpluses were likely to be coming in the future.
0: So with all the one-time revenues that she's counting on here, I mean, it's probably, what, $500 million?
1: Yeah, a cons- significant amount of the $800 million deficit is closed by one-time revenues. Somewhere And that's, in that impos-
0: may- that's a terrible way to do things, isn't it?
1: Well, it's a, it's not the best practice way to do things. It's the question scary. is, What alternatives does the city of Chicago have? Bite the bullet. Right. Well, they can bite the bullets, but basically you have to recognize what the impact of those bullets are. So reducing services, reducing costs is the traditional way from a conservative point of view that you would manage the government. There's significant restructuring in this um, in this budget, especially related to the police and fire department and their administrative costs. If they're successful in getting that, um, getting non-sworn officers to deliver those um, administrative services and get more policemen out onto the streets, that'll be a significant savings and an important modernization. The idea that um, the that you could raise taxes, property taxes at this time. there is a, The city is really in a place where there's a lot of tax fatigue, right? The anticipation of the graduated income tax, um, the anticipation of a high level real estate transfer tax, and the uncertainty whether that's going to be enough to stabilize not just the state of Illinois, but the city of Chicago's finances is something that is corrosive to the mentality. The greatest threat that Mayor Lightfoot and the city council and Governor um, Pritzker has is that people are leaving our city. We're losing population. We have to turn that around. We cannot afford to be a city that continues to decline in population. For many years, the city has been losing populations, actually decades, but the immigrant population that had um, come to Chicago over the last five to six decades more than covered up for the slow birth rate that we've had. But now we see that because of issues at the national level in terms of immigration policy, we flattened out totally and we're losing population. That means everybody in Chicago then is liable for much greater share of the tax burden.
0: So how do you feel about the tax choices she did make? She's proposed a congestion fee. You say you're worried about that being legally challenged. Look well, at the fight that's going on between her and Uber.
1: Right. I think it's a significant um, concern, but I think the 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 city has a strong case to be to, to make. We recognize one, the part of the uncertainty. One of the ways the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois has gotten itself into um, problems is not recognizing the uncertainty of some of their actions. In the case of the ride-sharing fees, we think it's a relatively reasonable expectation that part of the congestion problem, part of the um, um, benefit of having such a rich Chicago base, and so much of the rideshare contributes to the congestion that the tax can be avoided by using public transportation. The public transit is another underlying challenge. Without a doubt, rideshare has had some impact on the public transit numbers, but it's also the loss in population that is impacting it. We have sunken costs in the CTALs and buses that we need to have people riding. And when the ride share is, ever, is it attractively priced at such a rate that it, people are making decisions not to take the bus or L at various times and instead to get in a ride share, I think the city is wise to react. I think congestion is a huge problem in the city of Chicago um, and in the region as a whole. None of the new capital infrastructure money that is being proposed is aimed at significant congestion relief.
0: Let's talk about this whole business of the property tax increase. She says she's raising it $18 million for libraries, but in fact she's raising it $65 million, the aldermen were told this week, and the mayor said that they knew that when they approved the general obligation bond issue under Rahm Emanuel last spring. But my recollection is that although general obligation bonds are always tied to property tax increases, the city would routinely abate those increases, and this time they're not.
1: I think that's a pretty good uh, analysis of of the situation. We are talking, and there's been confusion going back and forth of the, whether it's the 19 or the 20 um, levy. The, for this budget, the 20 budget, there's an $18 million increase primarily for keeping the libraries open on On Sundays. And then there are the, as you pointed out, the levies that were associated with different borrowing that was going to go on and restructuring. And those were, some of that was approved by earlier in the spring by the city council.
0: But isn't it also true, even though she says that the alderman knew that they were voting for a property tax increase, the fact of the matter is, in, in prior general obligation bond issues, the city... Would have an increase tied to that, but then abate that to the level. Well, there level has they been a
1: hyster- historical abatement when they did not need it in order for the financing. What is also included in that sixty-five million n- number is the police and fire um, pension fund increase that is necessary to stay on the schedule of being an actuarial based contribution. There also are in some credits that um, related to the um, the debt levy. Um, actually total debt levy decreases and what they're levying for the city colleges decreases by about $8 million. So there are a lot of moving parts in um, the city. So how
0: much is property. she raising property taxes?
1: I think this budget on the corporate fund is 18 million dollars on the total expenditure for 20 is 65 million dollars
0: right and she has made a deliberate decision hasn't she not to do the abatement that routinely happens with a general obligation bond issue
1: i have not gotten the detail as what what exactly they're going to abate they are definitely talking about keeping the the level that was approved earlier but i have but
0: is she right that that's to we should blame Rahm Emanuel for that or is she doing
1: it well, it's basically what's necessary in order to do the financing that was approved in the spring before they took office. So yes, I it's that component. You can basically look at it either way. If she had a um, $20 million that um, wasn't gonna be used for the budget, then you could avoid needing that or as you say, that um, not abating that levy that was previously approved, but they did approve the levy earlier and that was based on the opportunity for some refinancing a city debt in the spring.
0: Are you worried about the cost of the teacher's contract? I mean, $1.5 billion is the cost of that contract. Where are they going to find that money?
1: We are hoping to be meeting with the city public school finance, financial officials later um, this week to get the full briefing. But yes, we have significant concerns. I think anybody who looks at the financial condition of the Chicago public schools went into the... Uh, comes in, comes from a point of view of where are you going to get that money? Where can they get that money? Tell
0: tell us, what are the the options? The
1: city public schools is controlled primarily by state statute. The only sources of revenue they have are property taxes. They're limited under the property tax extension limitation law to the rate of inflation, basically CPI um, or 5%, whichever is less, unless they're going to go to referendum. There has never been a city referendum, referendum Um, in the last 50 years for increased funding for the public schools. Their other choice is, well, their other source of revenue is the state of Illinois. And they're heavily reliant already on the governor keeping his commitment into the new evidence-based school aid formula. Um, But the Chicago public schools, like the city, is not benefiting from a loss of population. The population, the student population loss in Chicago Public Schools is very significant and affects the the resources that they're eligible for from the state of Illinois. It's been a point of concern for the Civic Federation for the long time. The cost of the Chicago Public Schools is rising and exactly at the same time when the student population is falling and predicted to continue to fall due to the change in population in Illinois. So
0: where are they gonna get that money?
1: The only place that they, the only two places the Chicago Public School can get money, is through the property taxes, and they're capped, or, right? And they're capped, so they would have to go to a referendum, or they would have to convince the city council to basically, which is not capped, um, effectively, because it's a home rule unit of government could go for an um, increased property tax and, or they and could hand get money them the from money Springfield.
0: And hand them the money? Well, the,
1: yeah, that was basically it. It's not likely, right, because it's not – because the Chicago – we're seeing already that the city of Chicago – government itself is in bad financial shape and not in needs every penny that it has.
0: So did she agree to a contract that the city can't afford?
1: We're still trying to get the details on the um, actual cost of it and how it's going to be financed. I think it's a lot of it depends on what they're able to get out of Springfield. A lot of it depends whether um, the school aid formula grows at the rate that the proponents of it project and whether the state of Illinois, which is in bad financial um, shape, can meet those goals.
0: Back to the city again, you've talked about the need to have a long-term financial plan. I mean, because we have this ramp, this billion-dollar hurdle that we're going to f- find in the pensions. What do they need to do to prepare for that?
1: They need to do more than just have one idea for how they are going to solve this problem. We need to get beyond looking at this. We made it through this year. We're, you know, What a relief. And let's take a victory parade. We need a long-term plan. What happens, for example, if the state of Illinois does not get its graduated income tax? What happens if it does get its graduated income tax? Because the the amount of new money that's projected under the graduated income tax for local governments is fairly small, $100 million as a result of the new, uh, if the graduated income tax is established. What is the city doing to um, reduce its borrowing Cost. What is the city doing related to, to um, its overall financing? Do we, can we, we cannot grow um, the city revenues organically at this point unless we attract new population into the city of Chicago. So if you tax and you come up with a, a tax that's viewed as regressive, you're not going to drive that population growth. You need to bring in the stakeholders. You need to be transparent, and you need to have more than one scenario. It can't just be this is the only answer. It's got to be multiple stress-tested analysis of what our options are. There's not a lot of room for the city of Chicago. We have the highest sales tax in the United States. That's basically um, as a result of the layering that goes on between the the Chicago the R T A. Cook County government, then the the, the city of Chicago. The state has a sales tax component, so we're effectively the highest sales tax of any major city in the United States. We we've talked about property taxes. Most people are feeling that we're at the limit on property taxes. At the same time, we may be hitting into a um, a recession. The chance of a recession is needs to be included in any calculation. What happens then if property values fall? Or just remain stable to your ideas about growth in the property tech space.
0: You've talked about the garbage collection fee. It is—it's nowhere near as high as it needs to be to to make up for the cost.
1: Right. It's a dangerous situation in that. as we've talked, Chicagoans are feeling like they're being taxed, nickeled, and dimed. Actually, this administration um, has made a focus, um, Mayor Lightfoot and her team, to bring down some of the um, very high fees and the um, penalties related to parking tickets, relating to car towing and others, recognizing that Chicago is becoming, in some ways with all the fees, a difficult place for people to, to live. In the area of garbage pickup, there are ways, and other cities have basically enacted them to put the full cost of the garbage on the users of the garbage, of the residential users. For a long time, people assumed, and the way the city financed was the property taxes paid and your other municipal taxes paid for your garbage. But the fact of the matter is, the city doesn't, the cost of city services continues to rise. The city hasn't been able to cut and modernize its government so that we, we're consolidating them. So an, a reasonable place to look is garbage and making sure, even if you're not going to raise the fees on garbage, you know what the full cost of that garbage pickup is. And so people can see for a fact, this is what it costs to have every garbage can um, removed in Chicago. This is the cost of, a, of garbage collection. This is the cost of recycling. And this is what your... Um, flat fee generates right
0: and now. And it should be volume based really,
1: shouldn't it? Ideally, you would have create incentives for people to reduce the garbage in the um, volume um, and recognize that there are ways through recycling, through composting to really help the city and help the residents be environmentally more friendly and reduce the waste stream.
0: Lawrence Vassal, thank you for joining us. I know that you'll be watching closely as the city council approves the budget in the next couple of weeks. I don't think that's in doubt. The question is, will it hold up?
1: Will it hold up? It's (laughs) going to be an interesting year.
0: Okay. Thank you. And we'll see you all next week.
1: Thank you.